The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you also for liking the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. Thank you for emailing me and letting me know what's happening in your world, and thank you for participating here uh, in the Spirit of Recovery community. I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the re- people in your recovery community and your Unity community know about us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. I love the opportunity to broadcast on the topic of recovery and spirituality, and I love hearing from you and knowing that what we're doing is making a difference for you in your life, in your recovery, in your world. I'm glad to know that the guests that I bring you are touching your heart and opening your mind to new thoughts, new ideas, new inspiration on your recovery and spirituality walk. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative, people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and we're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can now listen uh, by going to Stitcher.com. You can download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can listen uh, via Alexa. If you've got an Alexa-enabled device, you can listen via iTunes. You can sure just go directly to your smartphone or your computer. Uh, you can listen live or you can listen on demand. We've got tons of great archives um, that you can Pick and choose and uh, see what really uh, touches your heart and mind and uh, deepens your soul because we've got lots of great uh, guests and lots of great programs over the years here. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, uh, you're all welcome here. Maybe you're just curious about what recovery is all about, what addiction is, um, what are the principles of spirituality that are part of the recovery process. Whoever you are, you are very welcome here. And um, I always want to give a shout out to family members and let family members know that there's recovery for family members as well and friends, that um, there are recovery programs specifically for family members to address um, family members' concerns. And that's my uh, place in this whole recovery community is as a family member and friend of people that have the disease of addiction. So there, there are programs, there are 12-step programs, there are therapies. There are all kinds of uh, ways for family members to, to get the help that we so mightily need and deserve we deserve it 
I want you to know also that if you um, would like to support financially this nonprofit radio station, UnityOnlineRadio.org, you can do that. You can uh, text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone, and you can make a one-time or a recurring financial contribution, and that helps to support programs, support Spirit of Recovery, and all the other great programs uh, that are here. On UnityOnlineRadio.org, and it is a nonprofit venture. So, again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I am your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and an addictions counselor, and I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And over uh, 35 years ago, I think 36 years ago now, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of unity and recovery principles, and it keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. So I am grateful and delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. And if you've got a comment or a question for my guest today, um, it'll work a little better to call that in. Uh, the email is a bit of a challenge right now. Uh, so, and welcome you to call in if you've got a question or comment uh, for my guest on our topic today. So, I am happy to bring back a guest that's uh, been with me several times, uh, Richard C. And Richard uh, was one of the first guests that I had back in um, 2010 when I started broadcasting Spirit of Recovery, and he he actually sent me an email and said that I ought to have him as a guest on my show. Nobody else has done that. So, Richard, you get that distinction. And it was wonderful. And he's right. Um, Richard has a lot to share. And today our topic is, it's called life. And um, that's a, a response to the question, what's the point of recovery? And uh, Richard is a person in long-term recovery. He started in recovery in 1974. And what began as a simple recovery effort has opened up something that is far greater for him uh, than just the 12 steps. They've been a doorway for him, and he still practices those, and he does a lot of other things as well that support his uh, recovery and his well-being. And he calls it life. Uh, Richard is a Unity student. He's a licensed Unity teacher. He is a teacher of Tai Chi and Qigong. He's a blogger, and he's a spiritual retreat leader. And he also studies and shares with other people the use of Chinese energy therapy for treating osteoarthritis addiction and cancer. And he blogs to describe how his life has evolved over the last four decades while he's been participating, uh, and he still does, in a 12-step program. So uh, you can learn more about Richard, and you can read some of his blogs if you go to isthermorethanthesteps.blogspot.com. Is there more than the steps? Spelled just like it sounds. Blogspot.com. So Richard's uh, going to share with us today how recovery continues to invite him into expanded joyful living. So Richard, welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Angel is so good. I was just going to sit and listen for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah, it's talking about it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First of all, I want to tell you that. I remember that first time that I was on the show with you, and I remember who you had on the week before me, and I thought, oh, my goodness, you had Mel B. From That's Toledo right. On. That's and right. And Mel B. is now made, he made his transition mm-hmm. after a long, long, long sobriety term. So I was really privileged to be in that year, I mean, I'll tell you. That's I right. Share br- briefly with people about Mel B. He's he's a legend, and in a good, wonderful way. Just tell us a little bit about Mel. What you know about Mel, him? Uh, yeah, from what I, I met Mel one time way back in 1982, and uh, Mel, when he made his transition, would have been about 58 years in recovery, and mm-hmm. he was an author. He authored many, many uh, pieces for. The uh, the Grapevine, which is the, one of the publications for recovery in the 12-step programs, he did extensive speaking, extensive speaking, uh, worked untirelessly tirelessly in, uh, in the 12-step recovery programs, helping people out of the Toledo area, 
He was just a giant amongst uh, amongst the recovery community. Nice guy, just a nice guy. And he's in your archive. Yes, he is. Back in 2010, I think. I'm pretty sure it's back back in 2010. Yeah, so it's or must be or, or 2011, early 2011. I'm not sure, but yeah, Mel B. Yeah, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Good, you know, a good old timer. Lots of richness. Mm-hmm. Lots of yeah, wisdom. Exactly. Yeah, and, and for we sure. See, we, we see in recovery circles the same thing that I think we see in the new thought circles that some of the originals uh, back in new thought, some of the originals back in in recovery, the, the 35 to 55 era, you know, they had they were a whole different breed of cat. I mean, they had the the uh, the desire to stop their addictions, and they had the desire to write from the spirit, and and those people started passing on, and and now we're we're having to breed a whole new set of new old timers, both in new thought and in recovery. That's uh, right. Let's go. So the wheel is turning and the cycle is changing, and this is something that uh, in the last year or so I've really been thinking about, you know, life, I, I, and I love life today, and it's, it's great to me, and I'm great to it. But it goes back to my blog title, and I'm glad you brought that up. Is there more than the 12 steps? I, I, I am a firm believer that today, had I only ever been exposed to nothing but a 12-step program, for the last 44 years, I would not be sitting here today. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes more than just simple 12 steps, I think, to live a quality life, uh, to have the type of life that I've always wanted, a happy, joyous, and free. So, you know, you're right. It's open doors for me, and some of the programs that I participate in and I help them are absolutely and integral part of my life today. And I, and I hope that the, in many recovery circles that that's the same thing. Right. I know you so, and your go long-term ahead. recovery. All right, I know you and your long-term recovery. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I see the mix between recovery and unity. And, you know, I do have my Tai Chi and Qigong practice, the Chinese medicine practice, and the Reiki practice, and the unity practice, and the 12-step practice. All those are, are are kind of like a multicolored coat. They they support each other and they support me in my life. Uh, usually at times when I don't even know it. So uh, I just I just feel so much that we need many many props here in life to be what we really can be. So Richard, what is it that um, I want? Tell us first what you get. From the twelve step programs again. You've how many years now are you in recovery? Forty four years. All right. So I guess, it, so, I guess that makes you, it makes you an old person at least. I don't know about an old timer. But. Yeah. Well, here's, here's so I, it, yeah. all right. What do you get at this point at forty four years? What are you getting out of the twelve steps? I get a foundation for life. The premises, the 12 principles behind the 12 steps are, in fact, the bedrock of my life. There isn't any doubt about that. I, that's my go-to. Everything that's go-to is in the 12 steps. Um, and that's a linear thing. That's a horizontal thing. It's a very pedestal. It's a very basis for life. And what happens is these other programs, which I share with the 12 steps, give me volume. Uh, I can remember days when there was nothing but 12 steps, and that's it, nothing but 12 steps, and I was linear. I didn't have any volume. I wasn't excited. I wasn't uh, out there tap dancing. I wasn't out there looking to see who I could help. I was just I was just there. But I was practicing 12 steps, plodding along, trudging along. I needed something to kickstart me and give me some volume in life to say, I am here. And I have a purpose, and I have something I want to do. Something had to do that. So the what did it? What did it? What propelled you? Absolutely, start craving unity. There's no doubt in my mind. I had, uh, I had, had <clears throat> excuse me, at 29 years of my first marriage, I, I sought to terminate that marriage. I thought I was ready for that, but it emotionally just kicked my tail, and I went into a little bit of a tailspin emotionally and spiritually. And a beautiful uh, Swede by the name of June got a hold of me and said, hey, you don't kind of do unity with me, you know. 
And I went down to Christchurch Unity on the corner of uh, uh, Orlando and South Street in Orlando, Florida. And I sat down in the pew with them, with their whole family. And I started crying, and six weeks later, I was still crying. I was home. I had, I had in fact, accepted a power rhythm myself in the 12-step program. And I had to try to refine that, and I had to try to build on it, and I had to try and put it into my life. But my problem was, throughout my childhood, I never had any spiritual training whatsoever. I never was church. I never was taught. I was a product of a broken home through alcoholism. So when I came to 12 Steps, I didn't have anything to fall back on. All I could do was look at you people uh, and say, I'll, I'll take a piece of that, I'll take a piece of that. And I didn't do a very good job at building a power grade of myself into me. Mm-hmm. But when I walked into Unity and a beautiful man by the name of Phil Schlafer, uh, a Unity minister, uh, wearing his Argyle socks and saying, Groovy, man, is a misplaced hippie. He, he started talking, and I started crying, and uh, six weeks later, he came down and said to me, are you okay? And I had listened to every word that man said. I knew what he was saying. And I said, yes, you got a key to the church. Give it to me. Why do you take the church mouse? I, I just hung out in that church day and night and fixed the clothes and emptied the mail slot. And, but I was home. I was with a paramount of myself that I had never expected. It was, and my, my whole being was being lifted up. I was being helpful. People needed me to do things. Um, a couple of beautiful little old ladies needed prayer work to get their husbands out of the hospital. I was where I was supposed to be. And that was my beginning in Unity in, in 1994. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went on to start a prayer, uh, be a head of the prayer ministry and start a, my own meditation, a healing meditation. And then I had the Reiki work, the energy work, and loving work, and it's like, hadn't stopped since. And mm-hmm. I still have million today. My life's wow. volume for me. Yeah. So it sounds like when you came to Unity, like you're saying, it opened up some new doors to you, some new sense of maybe what what spirituality is all about. Is that part of it? Yeah. And I was very privileged because here again, when I got sober in 74, I was I was in the area of Baltimore, Washington, and I was able to talk with and mentor with some of the very early, earliest members in the Baltimore area. And these are old guys that are all dead now. You know, Dick Smith and Dick Price and... and uh, Larry Rue and, and Alex Voter, these were giants of, of sobriety in, in Baltimore and in Washington. Buck Doyle is down in D.C. in the Congressional District. Uh, these were these were huge men. They were sober, and they were out there, you know, 12-stepping people, even as big as they were, you know. So when they came into Unity, again, we were just about to make a shift, I think, uh, uh, Unity was starting to move out in the village. Some of the older Unity ministers were starting to make their transition, at least retiring. Um, it, it, I had to kind of get to the old ones before they did. But I was very fortunate to go to the village a couple times, mentor with, with some of the older older people that are still some of them are there, Phil Pearson and them. And I was very, very privileged to, to talk to these people and write to them and, and do their, read their, their writings and know that they were the, like the, the second or third wave of unity from inception back in 1890, uh, 1892. So I, all through my sobriety and all through unity, I've been supported by the power of, of older people, you know, saying to me, You've got to carry this on. This is what you're going to need. And uh, and giving me all those tools to help, you know, take the next wave on, I hope. I don't know, take the next wave on. Does that make any sense? Absolutely it does. I love it that you're talking about this. Um, it's true. I've been thinking about that, too, like probably for the last 15 years, both in unity and in recovery. I'm aware of that. Some of the people that were foundational for me that I either knew personally or knew about or, or have made their transitions. They've moved on to their next experience. And um, I can't stand on their shoulders anymore, you know, literally. Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, 
like we're it kind of now, this people of our age and and uh, years. And so I'm thinking, what are, what is it that we're passing on? We can't just sort of sit around. We got to give something to those that are coming. What what do you feel like you're giving, Richard? What is it that you're passing on? And that's the name, you know, that's what Bill Wilson always said is pass it on. That's what I, he always said. That was his, his hallmark was pass it on. So what do you, what are you passing on? There was a Navy chief up in, uh, up in, uh, retired Navy chief up in Glenburnie, Maryland that was sitting on the floor of the General Services Board of, uh, uh, up there in New York. And he noticed that sitting on his left was a guy named Bill Wilson. Hmm. And he got titled like him hot and oh gosh, Mr. Wilson, bless you, thank you. And Bill Wilson, Tommy still kept telling the telling the story. He said he looked at him and says, "Do you really believe everything you just said?" He said, well, "Of course." He said, "Good, then pass it on." Mm-hmm. Well, when they wrote the book uh, on Bill Wilson's life, uh, Tommy told that story on the floor of the General Services Board and said, "I think we should name the book Pass It On." Yes. We have a story of our of our co-founder Bill Wilson uh, in the book called Pass It On. That's right. That's the whole you you know that's the whole idea. Of course, the the opposite idea that is you can't give away nor pass on what you don't have. Mm -hmm. And had I not been privileged enough and desperate enough to get you know to get sober and try to change my character makeup and try to grow up. Had I not been that desperate, I may have missed all those imperatives that those guys were trying to give me. You know, they were still looking at me saying, dummy, listen to me. This is what you need to do. This, you need to, to do, the, do the duty, do the work inside, and then, you know, at some point in time, you'll be able to put it back out. Um, so today, I hope that I, what I can pass on is the, is the experiences that I've had the knowledge that I've been given, that, I, that I've gained, I try to draw on all the old writers, you know, back to the Emmett Fox days and back to the, mm-hmm. the, the Lawrence Gomez-Shin days. And, and, and those people were the beginning, the very beginning of, of our unity and our new thought program, which recovery programs grew right out of. Yes, they uh, did. There's a connection back in the beginnings. There sure is. There's a connection. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we have to understand that in the very first program, when the 12-step program started in 1935, there was absolutely no literature, there were no videos, there were no movies, there was no telephones, really. So those people had to look at each other and say, well, what do we do? And they started formulating a program of recovery. Well, their wives and their, and their husbands were dragging them off to, you need to go down to the hotel billboard with me and listen to this guy and say, his name is Emmett Fox. And they all went down there and started listening to them. And if you go through all the all the early recovery material, you'll hear um, people like Emmett Fox and Og Mendino and um, some of the earliest writers in the mid-30s and early 40s. You'll, you'll hear it in our literature. So it got melded together in the 30s and 40s. At, at some point, you kind of can't tell them apart. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So what is it? I know, Richard, that you are indeed a big Emmett Fox fan, and I really appreciate it because I am too. Emmett Fox, for listeners that may not know, was a New Thought uh, writer back in the kind of early and mid-1900s. He was a friend of Unity. Definitely he talked about the Unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, as his spiritual father. And um, he was just a great – he's written many things, and he he just blessed a lot of people. So um, Emmett Fox, F-O-X, easy to find, Emmett. So what is it that you like about Emmett Fox? What touches you about uh, his writings? I think what what happens is – excuse me – as you said, Emma Fox was a friend of Unity. And every year, he and his friend Herman Woolworth would get in his car and drive to, to Lee Summit. And he would sit with the person that he described as Papa Charlie. And we know that's Charles Fillmore. So right. there's, you know, there's at least a mentor. And if you go to Unity Village, you'll see a lot of the early writings up in the archives, handwritings of Emma. But he picked up on the same thing that that Charles Fulmer did. If it isn't practical, it isn't practical. If Christianity is mired down in ritual and, and, and rules and, and dogma, 
it's not practical. So the earliest school was it was named the Union School for Practical Practical Christianity. Well, Emmett Fox is writing at a practical level that you and I and the average person on the street could look at and say, well, there's no dogma here, there's no rules here, no musta, no shouldas. This is just plain, easy to read Christian material, and that's the way he wrote. Uh, and that's excuse me, and that's exactly what I liked about him. He wasn't somewhere in the clouds. He wasn't somewhere in deep in religiosity. He wasn't deep in Greek or Aramaic. He was just a guy writing in English at a level that I could read and understand. And that's what I needed. Right. How has his writing made a difference in your life? Oh, my goodness. He has, he has uh, one of his most famous uh, treatises is, uh, is the Golden Key. And in, in, in simplest terms, the Golden Key is if your thoughts are not what you want them to be in a moment, in a given moment, then turn your thoughts to God, which is the Golden Key, and your thoughts will become okay. Well, how simple can that be? I mean, how simple was it for me when I got mad or angry or sad or in fear? All the negative values that I know in life today, how simple is it for me to say, well, instead of thinking about this, I think I'll turn my thoughts to God. But it can't get any more simpler than that. And that's, that golden key has helped me on so many times, either for myself, <laughs> excuse me, or for, to, to pass on to somebody else. In fact, Emmett Lamb loved unity so much, he wrote a separate copy of the, of the Golden Key and gave, gave all the rights to unity. And today, we still have two Golden Keys out, one written by Emmett for the general public and then one written for unity by Emmett, uh, which hmm. you can purchase from, from Unity Village. Hmm. I didn't know that. Are they different? I didn't know that. Are they? Di- I know we have a pamphlet. Unity has his pamphlet, the Golden Key, but I didn't know... Is that one? Is the content different than the other one? Just a little bit. You got to really, really dig close. And, and the biggest, the biggest change is in the uh, in the uh, the preface to it, uh, where he, he he donates the uh, he details what it's like. But yeah, the original Golden Keys started out in his blockbuster Sermon on the Mount. Uh-huh, he finished right. Sermon on the Mount in that book, and in the back it comes to the Golden Key. And it's mm-hmm. about five and a half pages long, I think. And the, the pamphlet is only like four pages. So mm-hmm. you can then still have me. But uh, I, I just I always thought it was kind of cute, the fact that he just thought so much of you that he gave it to him. Pretty interesting. It's kind of like Emily Katie, you know? You like my yeah. material? You don't change it? I'll give it to you. That's right. And I love that. That's always part of the... Um, those early pioneers as well is their great generosity with spiritual material. A lot of them did not have a lot of ego around it at all. It's like, you know, God gave this to me and I'm, I want it to get out there. And uh, that was true, you know, in, in both Unity and in AA to some degree. And I just, I think that's wonderful. I think it's just, it's generosity. That's that's a spiritual principle. Well, the the idea I see is back when we thought was just kicking off and getting started in the late the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds. This was not something that they were trying to pay their rent with. This was something they were discovering life and trying to get a good life. So that when an institution or somebody came on and said, "Well, this is great stuff. Can we use it?" They said, "Of course." Mm-hmm. Now today, a, a lot of our uh, new thought writers today, they're trying to pay rent. They're trying to raise kids and they're right, trying to live on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether that's right or wrong, I mean, that's evolution, I guess. Right. I, yeah, it's just I, what it is. It's not about, you know, people need to do what they need to do. But I just admire that the good old timers, you know, that they were just getting the word out and, you know. Oh, of course. Where would we yeah. be without people like Phineas P. Quimby and and Mary Baker Eddy and Mary Baker and Baker Eddy. Uh-huh. just mountains of material. That's right. That's right. 
it's time for our break. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a quick break okay. here. And uh, listeners, stay with us. I'm uh, glad everybody's listening today. The uh, topic today is called It's Called Life. And my guest is Richard C. He's a person in long-term recovery. He's a person uh, since 1974. He's been in recovery, and he is a person who is a Unity student and licensed teacher. He teaches Tai Chi. He teaches Qigong. He blogs. He leads spiritual retreats. And as you can hear, he's very enthusiastic about life, and he's really into being of service. You can read his blog at isthermorethanthesteps.blogspot.com. So stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth-seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting. No more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is It's Called Life. And my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host. And uh, we're examining the... Uh, the idea of what's the point of recovery and sort of uh, how do you really establish that long-term recovery. And it's by pursuing multiple uh, paths, grounding yourself in your recovery program and being open to wherever your higher power is leading you to develop your spirituality. And um, my guest is Richard C. He's back. He was one of my very first guests back in 2010. And uh, he's a person in long-term recovery, a blogger, a unity student, and many other ways that he... Uh, participates in his spiritual life in us and is of service so uh, before we get back to our conversation i want to invite you to join me for just a moment to relax to uh, make conscious contact with your higher power in the serenity minute 
So I do invite you to relax, to be aware of your breath as it comes in and goes out, to allow your uh, heart and mind to relax, to open, and to notice that presence of your higher power as you define it. And allow that love of your higher power to move through you, that you notice that, that you notice that you're not alone, that your higher power is with you. And I invite you to share with me this constructive idea. I allow my higher power's grace to lead me into greater good. I allow my higher power's grace to lead me into greater good. And now we relax for a moment in the quiet, listening to the music. friends for joining me in the serenity minute and i trust that it was an opportunity for you to just take a even a brief moment to let go and let your higher power touch you in a very conscious way and making that connection so now i'm back to my conversation with my guest and my friend richard c and we talk about it's called life so, um, Richard, before the break, you were uh, telling us about uh, how practical spiritualities made a real difference for you and um, why it's mattered to you to open up your spiritual life. What are some of the other things that have helped you do that? Um, and that, again, is is really opened you up to long-term sobriety because sobriety is not like this, you know, I got to hang in there. You know, and kind of slog through. It's it's about life, as the as we're talking about. It's about getting into life. So, what else have you do you do that invites you into joyful living? Thank you, and thank you for the meditation. It was great. Uh, I love to meditate. It's it's one of the better things in life to do. One of the things that I do today is I, I try to allow my life. Uh, my life circumstances to continue to help me grow, and I, I say that. You know, in, as I began to become sober through my addic- uh, out of my addiction, that personality, that character that stood there is not the same one that you'll see today. And thank God for that. Uh, but I, I was, I was one of those people that kind of, a, I should have been from Missouri, you know, show me, show me, show me, show me. And I'd beat my head against the wall a lot of times, and somebody would say, well, stop, it'll feel better. And I'd say, wow. Look at that. They're gurus. You know? <laughs> I didn't have a good grasp of the obvious. So through my tenure of the last 44 years, here's a good example. At 10 and a half years, I, uh, although I, I must preface this, I have never taken a drink in 44 years. I've never thought about taking a drink of alcohol. However, I have kicked the dog, spanked the kids, uh, was crossed with the wife, divorced, divorced two women, and wrecked three cars. You know, so although I've never taken a drink of alcohol, I mean, what about these life circumstances, you know? Uh-huh. So I am at 10, 10 and a half years, and I get myself into more trouble than I could have possibly done any other time. And a gentleman, my sponsor, uh, Jim Gaglioni, who's no longer with us, uh, took me by the hand. Now, he's a hard, hard carrying Catholic, Irish Catholic. And he takes me by the hand, and he leads me around, and he says, we need to talk. And all of a sudden, I'm getting this complete litany of Catholicism in my life. And I had no idea. I've never, I've never participated in any religion. I didn't know. So that was fine. So then I go up to 20 years, and I'm, by the way, that, that trouble just melted away through prayer and meditation. God decided I didn't need to go to Leavenworth, so I enjoyed that. That's good. 20 years. Yeah, nice. I could have started a meeting there. Uh, mm-hmm. At 20 years, once again, here I am out there waltzing alive, doing my thing, and kind of get myself emotionally and spiritually wrapped around the axle. And another gentleman steps in and says, uh, yep, we need to talk here. And that was my sponsor who's just passed away recently at 96 years of age. And 
40 years in this in this recovery thing. And he talked to me about his flavor of of recovery and his flavor of power greater himself. And all of a sudden, I got it again. You know, so I have to go through these blocks of time, kind of working up or working down in some cases, until my consciousness opens up and somebody says, why don't you try this? Oh, sounds good to me. So... Throughout these 44 years, I've let those problem areas drive me to get better, get better, get better. Now, mm-hmm. so far in the last 10 years, they haven't gotten as bad as, as some of the other times. And, and I, I, I still you know, attend meetings. I still sponsor people. I still do retreats. I still, I still have a psychiatrist. I still have all kinds of stuff. I, I Tai Chi. I have all manners of spiritualism that I deal in. And that's what keeps me focused today. Thinking mm-hmm. about all that stuff in the past and then applying today's lessons, uh, especially the, the unity lesson, through, through the daily word, through some mm-hmm. of the printed material. I, I mean, I just, I, I thrive on that stuff. Again, right. I don't know if that makes a mistake. Absolutely. Yeah, and for people that, that may not be familiar, the daily word is unity's... Um, uh, magazine, a little magazine that has every day, you know, you, it comes in uh, two month, two months at a time, and it's got affirmations and a little reading for the day. It's wonderful, and they've been publishing it for well over a hundred years. It's just a wonderful. 19, I think, I think that's right. Twenty-three, a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not long quite a hundred. They still yeah. have, they still mm-hmm. have the original copies of that in the library mm-hmm. in the village. Yes, they do. Well, anyway. And if you go there, what you can do is um, you. Uh, you, if you were born after the 1920s, I guess, or whenever they started, you can look up the actual day of your, the day and year of your birth, and see what the daily word was for that day. I've done that, and it's just really wonderful. It's, it's just like, wow, they got a daily word on my birthday, my actual birthday, and it really speaks to you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of startling when you read it and say, "Wow, hey, I was born. That happened." That's right. Cool. Yeah, that's right. So, um, tell us some more about uh, what some of the other New Thought writers are, uh, or the recovery writers that you benefit from, Richard. Well, you could probably just go to the Unity Library, start on the left, and work your way to the right. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Charles Soma. Yeah, Charles Soma was a voluminous writer. The only thing about that is there are a few of them that, that when he wrote them, nobody can figure out what he was writing. Because he was out there and loving it, but mm-hmm. primarily there's four or five of Charles Fillmore's that are still apply today. They're still appropriate today, and they speak volumes, even though they were written in the early 1900s. Emily Caden wrote the primer for for uh, for Unity and Lessons of Truth. Still applies today. Still needs to be caught and looked at today. Those are hardcore uh, uh, booklets and books that that I still today uh, take in. Uh, Joel Goldsmith, another blockbuster reader, a writer in the in the, uh, the mid-40s, up to the early 50s. Just absolutely a, a giant of a guy spiritually. In fact, I think the, do you know the name Barbara Brennan? Yes, the Hands of Light person. Mm-hmm. I think she was his, his uh, devotee and she may have picked up the gauntlet where he left off. I, I don't read a lot of her, but she still continues his stuff. But Thunder in the Silence, Thunder in the Silence was a bestseller forever, ever. And that's Joel Goldsmith uh, mm-hmm. for you. Uh, Phineas P. Quimby, there's a Facebook page out there on Phineas P. Quimby. Quimby was a seer. He was a true visionary. In 1848, the New York Times heard about a guy in Boston and said, Look and see what's going on with that guy. So a reporter went up there and literally saw Quimby healing a girl's leg in public. Quimby was a healer. He was also a clock, he was a chiller and a clock man. So mm-hmm. you talk about synchronicity, he understood <laughs> synchronicity. And he was a healer. And one of his devotees was a little girl by the name of Mary Baker Eddy. Mm-hmm. He taught Mary Baker Eddy everything she ever knew about the spirit. And then she went off and, be, and started the Christian Science uh, Arm of New Thought, and it's still, it's still around today. 
So That's some right. of the Mary Baker, some of the Mary Baker Eddy uh, stuff is just priceless. Florence Goldwell Shin wrote the flyleaf for Emmett Fox. She urged him, "You got to write." He just he came from Scotland. He was a trained electrical engineer, and she said, "You need to write. You need to be a man of the people." Uh, so, in a, in addition to his having churches at the Billboard Hotel and the Hotel Astoria and some other places, he started writing, and she wrote the flyleaf for Sermon on the Mount. And hmm. she and her, her own self, her own life was a huge influence on new thought from the feminine, mm-hmm. feminine divine, the feminine divine aspect. She, she had that thing with the games people play. Right. You know, still, a, still a great one today. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. What is it about those um, early writers that really energizes you, Richard? Because you're so enthusiastic when you talk about them, and I love them too. What is it that really gets you so excited and touches you by about them? I think what happens is I needed truth with a capital T when I first came to Unity because I was just on the cusp of being emotionally and spiritually nuts again from trying to get through that divorce, which I thought I could do, and I really didn't. But I needed truth. I needed it hammered it right at me and, and to accept it. So if somebody looked at me and said, God is love, man, that was truth. I got it. I understand it. I'm going to live it, and I'll give it back out. If they had come to me and said, we think that maybe God could possibly have something to do, and then a litany of words, uh, I, I'd have missed it. I've got mm-hmm. lots of words. So these older writers, these they, between the eighteen hundred, late eighteen hundreds, and nineteen forty five or so, they spoke and wrote in bullets. They weren't airy fairy. They weren't um, prophesizing. They were talking from their experience. This is truth, and I can read that, and I can understand that. I can take that in. I can meditate on it and say. Okay, I don't have to get rid of all the conjunctions and all the adverbs and all the, you know, I don't have to get rid of all that stuff. This is true. Mm-hmm. So I still hold to, you know, our minister here, Reverend Donald Laughlin, uh, bless her heart, is also an Emmett Fox lady. And she one day said to the, the congregation, you should read What Are You by Imelda Shanklin. Most of the people around us said, who the heck is Imelda Shanklin now? was <laughs> an old Unity writer, and she wrote a blockbuster book. What are you? The what in quotes? I don't care who you. This is a, this is one of my my projects for life. I really don't care where Anna Schaus got her name from. Her mom and dad wrote it on a piece of paper, and for the rest of her life, she's known as Anna Schaus. That's who you are. Mm-hmm. But what are you today? Are you a person who's in good stead with God? Are you a person too glad to help people? Are you a person that loves people? Are you, you know, that's what you are. That's important. So when Melba Shanklin writes a book that says, what are you? That's truth to me. And I take that book and I read it. And I understand it. And I turn it right back out to everybody that, that seems to want it. So I'm just being trying to be a conduit from the older side to some of the newer side. If that makes any sense. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's what they were doing was so, as you're saying, it was so clear, and they knew it. I mean, it, that what they weren't up in their heads. Their lives were transformed, just like the people that were early in uh, starting Alcoholics Anonymous and all of them. These people were not like the, and it even says that in the big book. I guess this isn't something about this isn't a theory, or I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up, right. but but it was it was definitely practical. It was like, look, my life's going down the hole here, and. I got to do something, and they found a higher power. All of them, both in unity and in uh, and in AA, and all of it. And and they were different. They were living it. They were alive. They were absolutely alive. I mean, in the in the, I'll say from the twenties to the to forty, America went through a huge huge spiritual upheaval. We come out of the First World War. We had the fall of the banks. We had, uh, uh, I'm getting old enough, I can forget words. The Depression, thank you, my wife's listening. The Depression. <laughs> and then they, then all of a sudden you have the temperance movement. And then America is told, through God as we understand, you guys need to get sober. 
mm-hmm. you got a real problem on your hands here. And it was alcohol. It That's right. It was a problem. It was killing people. It was tearing mm-hmm. families apart. It was causing businesses to go out of business. You know, they needed to get a grip on it. So one guy met another guy, met another guy, met another guy. And in the first four years, they climbed up to four or 500 people, wrote a book because they didn't have a book. They used Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox as reading material. As a matter of fact, in Ohio, in Akron, Ohio, where Bill met Dr. Bob, they wanted to call this movement the James Movement because they said, I want the Bible. They'd rather read the Bible mm-hmm. than anything else. In the 35, 36, 37, they'd rather meet at 8 o'clock at night and read the Bible and discuss that. Uh, people today in some of the recovery programs say, oh, now this is not a religious program. We can't do this. I hate to tell them, their roots are set in James. They're set in Matthew. They're set in Romans. That's where they're... That's where their material comes from. Mm-hmm. And I, one more guy I want to mention, and, and he's a non-alcoholic, he's a non-recovery guy, but Father Ed Dowling, a Jesuit, mm-hmm. a huge man. He was the first keynote speaker for the entire worldwide system of alcoholics and homes in 1952 in Keel Auditorium in St. Louis. A non-alcoholic, and he addressed the world said. You people have got to be the saviors of our society. I mean, it, he's a big man, you know, a Jesuit. Good Lord. You walk into some recovery circles today and say, Jesuit, they all look at you like, oh, you can't do that. You know? Well, unfortunately, their lives came right from there. You know? mm-hmm. so I, I get kind of passionate about this a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, people uh, people out in this area look. I thought they knew with Jesus wrong because they look up and say, "Oh, Jesus, here he comes again." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's, it's that deep, it's that deep spirituality that really again. And I do, I do believe in. I I love the roots of it, and that's part of my life. And I do know that it matters that to me that the recovery spirituality is open ended. That people need to be able to define their higher power as they choose, and one way or the other, it, it's the deep spirituality that transforms lives, however people define that. I believe that. Well, we walk, you and I and all the other people that we know in, in our circles walk around with this, this spirit of life filling us, and I don't go splash this on anybody who doesn't want to hear it. I mm-hmm. don't just try to start fossilizing and banging on pots and pans and, hey, listen, but if I want to hear something and say, what do you think about this? I, I tell them exactly how I feel, what I think, and where I've been, and where I'm going. Right. And if they stand, you know, if they can't take that, then I apologize, and they keep going. Mm-hmm. But it gives me a world of good to be able to share my life with them. Absolutely. And I, I yep. do care if they're in recovery or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my, in my church here at the United Church of Peace in, in Port Charlotte, Florida, uh, we have a, a, a good, small congregation, very, very uh, attentive people. And none of them are in recovery, well, there's some, but most of them are not in recovery. But yet they go to the recovery people to, to talk to, to mentor with, to, to get definition. You know, that's mm-hmm. because the, the people, here I am, you know, singling this out as the greatest of all, but the recovery people have had to pay attention, have had to learn, have had to take this stuff in just to make their life work. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You only want an hour, huh? I could do a couple. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, yeah, I mean, it's true. That's uh, that's the gift. And, again, uh, people can be kind of brought to the bottom in a lot of ways, but certainly addiction or being in the family or being a friend of somebody with the disease of addiction, is it'll test you. Yep. It'll bring here's, you to your knees. Yeah. Here's my last, here's my last drum I'm going to beat. I've also become a, a, a member of Al-Anon, and I'm not breaking uh-huh. my name. I never had, never had any. Because I well, we didn't, we didn't give you a last name. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Okay. I have family members that have a problem with alcohol, and I have people that I sponsor, and I have friends, so I fit in Al-Anon. Well, I've watched the wheel turn, because when I came into recovery, it took me three months to sit in meetings before I even saw a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you ladies were locked up in the kitchen and in the bedroom with your bottles. 
Now, the wheels turn, I go to Alvin, it's nothing but men. Hmm. Yeah, think about that one. Mm-hmm. You know, they, broke, they broke the glass ceiling, they became uh, corporate corporate personnel and, 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 and leadership personnel, and all of a sudden the men need not, now need to go to Alvin. Mm-hmm. So there's the wheel completely turning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Nothing but like a bunch of tough guys sitting there talking about the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And yeah. How they, they, you know, how they get along in their families and help their recovering people in their family and how the kids have had to suffer and how they're now getting better. You know, to hear the family side say that they're making recovery and the family's getting better. Just, I, I love it. Yeah. It's powerful. It really, really is. It's wonderful. Richard, we're at the end of our time. Oh, gosh. So, <laughs> you have shared such good uh, enthusiasm with us and, and lots of deep riches in your spiritual life, and I appreciate it very much. And um, uh, what's your last word of wisdom for us? Probably my last word of wisdom is... It's going to be something right out of the twelve-step or out of the twelve-step program. Keep coming back. All right, sounds like a deal. So, yeah, listeners, thank you truth, for keep coming back. Yeah, keep yeah, keep at it. Yep, keep taking it going forward. Keep coming back to your own you life, to your own spirituality, to your own recovery. However, you define I, that. Yeah. And I know I know that you're getting ready to move on, so you keep moving on, and we'll keep in touch. And I bless and love you. Thank you. You too. Yeah, I love you. Thanks for being my guest again, Richard. And uh, listeners, thank you for being here today very much. Again, my guest is Richard C. The topics it's called Life. And you can learn more about Richard if you go to his blog, istheremorethanthesteps.blogspot.com. So have a wonderful week. Be blessed, and we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on UnityOnlineRadio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. When we think of peace, we may imagine ourselves sitting high on a mountaintop at daybreak or walking on a secluded beach while the sun sets. But peace isn't a luxury reserved only for special occasions or special places. It's an essential tool for daily living. My peace isn't dependent upon a particular place or event. At any time and in any circumstance, I can shift my focus from the appearances of life to the reality of peace within myself. Park Cousins said, How things look on the outside of us depends on how things are on the inside of us. So if you don't like what you're seeing around you, paint a different picture within you. Peace. What I see is what I get. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org.
Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.